give. I feel, but I can't forgive. I go all in. This time, yeah, I won't regret. I'll pick the best on trip. They don't understand. I play to win. Yeah, I play to win. I play to win. Yeah, yeah, I play to win. I play to win. Play to win. I play to win. Yeah, yeah, I play to win. I play to win. Welcome into the P2W Fantasy Podcast. Nick Scripp here, following up with week three of the 2022 NFL season. So going to run through a podcast here today reacting to what happened in week three. This is recorded on a Monday, so we do have one more game tonight. We have the Cowboys playing the Giants, so I won't have any information about that specific game. But we have, we have uh, plenty to talk about with what happened on Sunday, last Thursday, and uh you know, everything fantasy football related that I feel like you guys will want to hear. So before we get into the show, as always, this podcast is partnered up with the Fantasy Points Media Group, which is a branch of Fantasy Points that I also am a staff member for. Go check out FantasyPoints.com. It's a one-stop shop for everything fantasy football related that you are looking for. Articles, they have data, they have a, a really cool Discord that is very interactive, a bunch of media content, podcasts, videos, um, DFS stuff, projections, literally everything you want is in one spot. Go check it out, fantasypoints.com slash subscribe, promo code for a discount, P2W22. So for this show, it's just going to be a reaction show to some things that we saw in week three. Starting off with the Arizona Cardinals, Greg Dortch has been a solid flex play for three straight weeks. Hopkins is suspended. Rondell Moore has a hamstring issue. Nine catches on 10 targets for 80 receiving yards, 17 fantasy points. This is his second game of nine-plus targets. He scored in week two, 13.3, 15.5, 17. That is flex points. He's only rostered right now in 6% of leagues. He needs to be picked up because, again, with injuries, uh, bye weeks upcoming, a guy like Greg Dorch, if he continues to have this role while Hopkins is out, he is a good flex play in a good offense. So next, we got CPAT. So uh, Cordero P Patterson is still a viable fantasy option. Week 1, 22.6 fantasy points. He had a down week 2 against the Rams with 4.1. Back up in week 3 with 22.3 fantasy points. So Patterson continues to be a good fantasy option. We weren't sure after that big year he had because he's not the youngest guy in the world. High usage in two of those three weeks, 25 touches week one, 18 touches in week two. He had four rushes over 10 yards in this last game. One asterisk that I want to mention, he's not being involved in the passing game like he was last year. He has four catches in three games when he had six games of five-plus catches individually last season, so there's a big difference there. I did think that uh, rookie Tyler Algier was trending towards a bigger role after his 10 carries in week two, but he had seven total touches in this one. He did play 37% of the snaps, but it's really Patterson getting uh, almost like a, a workhorse role sort of uh, workload here. I also want to mention for Atlanta, it's good to see Pitts getting eight targets and showing us that yardage upside with 87 after two slow games. Drake London continues to perform as a rookie. Where he ranks in dynasty for the wide receiver position is an interesting question to start asking. Looking over to Baltimore, Lamar Jackson looking like the fantasy and NFL MVP. No Hollywood Brown, no problem here. Bill Belichick's defense typically is known for shutting down teams and players, 
but not in week three. 18 for 29, 218 passing yards, four touchdowns. He had 11 rushes for 107 rushing yards and a touchdown. 40.42 fantasy points. So massive, massive week for Lamar Jackson. This is coming off of a game where he scored 42.62 fantasy points. So over 40 points back-to-back weeks for Lamar Jackson is huge. 12 total touchdowns in three games is insane. Number two in QBR, he has 243 rushing yards so far. This is giving me 2019 MVP season vibes. Monster Mark Andrews season so far as well. Back-to-back weeks of excellent scoring, 25.7 and 28.9 fantasy points. Three touchdowns in those with above 10 targets. Mark Andrews looking great. Lamar Jackson looking like an MVP candidate right now. Shifting over to Baltimore, keep your eye on Isaiah McKenzie, who is likely on the waivers. He killed it in preseason. He had all of these reports that came out about his role. We know the slot usage of Josh Allen. Did not see it much the first two weeks with three targets apiece. He did score in week one, but in week three, seven catches on nine targets for 76 receiving yards and a touchdown. 21.2 fantasy points. If this can become something consistent for McKenzie, meaning that he gets consistent targets, that is big because, again, it's a great offense. Josh Allen is regarded if, uh, you know, as one of the best, if not the best quarterback. And uh, a side note here in Buffalo, just looking at the performances, huge Singletary Day, nine receptions. Carolina. So I put out a tweet earlier that got some good traction about Baker Mayfield and what he is doing right now to DJ Moore and CMC. And he continues to be terrible, just to be blunt about it. Under 50% for his completion percentage in his last two games, 145 and 170 passing yards in his last two games. It definitely impacts DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. Three straight games with six targets for DJ Moore. He only caught one this week. Two receptions this week for Christian McCaffrey, who we look at as one of the best pass-catching running backs in the NFL. I I said it you know, on Twitter in that tweet, but Sam Darnold may be the better quarterback for fantasy when it comes to DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey because right now Baker Mayfield's play is not supporting either of those two guys. In Chicago, David Montgomery is day-to-day after his exit during this week's game. I thought I saw that it was a, a knee and an ankle issue. I haven't seen more about that report, so definitely keep an eye on you know what actually comes out for his status. But Khalil Herbert came in and he rushed 20 times for 157 rushing yards, 7.9 yards per carry, and two touchdowns, two catches, 30.9 fantasy points. So Herbert had himself an absolute monster of a day. Likely going to be one of the highest sought out waiver wire moves this week. He should have been rostered anyways, just as a handcuff, seeing what he did last year as a rookie when David Montgomery was out. No other bearer right now for fantasy is playable. I'm just going to throw that out there as well. Can't play Justin Fields right now. You can't play Darnell Mooney, and you can't play Cole Kmet. In Cleveland, Amari Cooper is looking like an absolute steal right now at his ADP. He kept falling and falling in drafts. I was in a personal home league draft where he was the wide receiver 35. He's had back-to-back weeks with 10-plus targets and exactly 101 receiving yards, so he must like that mark there. 25.1 and 23.1 fantasy points these past two weeks for Amari Cooper. Russell Wilson at this point in Denver needs to stay on fantasy benches. Under 12 fantasy points the last two games. 
a decent week one, but his touchdown ceiling looks limited right now. Doesn't look great. I don't know if he's still getting situated in Denver, but I don't see much upside to playing Russell Wilson at any point right now until we see something different. In Detroit, Jamal Williams outtouched DeAndre Swift 22 to 10. I think this is a sign of Swift being banged up versus losing his job or something like that. So, you know, the the report came out today saying his uh, his shoulder is messed up. Yeah, I, I have to look further into that. I'm sure more details will come out about him missing time. But that is what is suggested right now that DeAndre Swift may miss time. Jamal Williams has been getting a ton of goal line work, even with Swift on the field. So he might have his own standalone value, but... He's looked pretty good with the touches he's gotten. So another big waiver wire guy if he is available in your league. Romeo Dubs in Green Bay performed as the wide receiver one on the team where there were a bunch of question marks for who was going to take over that role. Eight catches on eight targets for 73 yards and a touchdown. 100% catch rate, I think, is going to win him some Rodgers trust. If Rodgers is giving him 5, 4, 12, 13, you know, anywhere in the middle for targets. And, and this guy is catching everything as a rookie. Aaron Rodgers is going to get some trust in this guy. This did come both with Christian Watson and Sammy Watkins out of the picture, but he did have more targets than Alan Lazard, who also did score a touchdown and was a good play. 16.1% rostered as of Monday on ESPN for dubs. One of my starts of the week in Houston, Damian Pierce was a stud versus my Bears. 20 for 80 and a touchdown. He had two catches for 21 receiving yards and 18.1 fantasy points. 16 touches in week two. He had 22 touches in week three. So that's a great sign. This guy has some flair. You know, he had, he had a bunch of hype coming into the season, but he looked good in this one. You see the toughness in his running. Lovey Smith, pun intended, loves this guy. He kept hitting that spin move button. I tweeted out as a joke, but it was true. He kept, he kept uh, you know, spinning and, and, and juking and just running tough. He looked really good against Chicago. So I think moving forward for fantasy, seeing the amount of work that he is getting right now and being productive with it is a good sign. Matt Ryan continues to hyper-target Michael Pittman Jr., and that's another great sign for fantasy. 13 targets week one. He missed week two, Michael Pittman Jr., and then he had nine targets again in week three. So he's been super efficient catching uh, eight of what he had in uh, week one. Don't panic, but uh, on a side note, Jonathan Taylor has been pretty average for fantasy his last two games. Good workload, though. So, I mean, 24 touches in, in week three. That's good. That's better than the 10 that he had compared to week two. But, again, I think we want to see more out of Jonathan Taylor. So good sign with Pittman's usage. Taylor, we want to see more production. In week three, it looked like there's a lot of gems in Jacksonville. Solid 262 passing yard day for Trevor Lawrence and three touchdowns. James Robinson has scored in all three games. He looks great post-Achilles tear. He had 100 yards rushing in week three. Christian Kirk continues to, to uh, deliver here big time. 19.2 fantasy points. He had 17.7 and 25.8 in the prior weeks. Great value, great production right now for fantasy. Keep your, your eye on Zay Jones. Uh, he's rostered an 8.6% of ESPN leagues. He's probably going to be a waiver wire pickup. Solid preseason connection with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, 
10 catches on 11 targets for 85 yards and a touchdown in week three for 24.5 fantasy points. He had nine targets in week one. CEH continues to roll under minimal touches, 22.4, 15.8, and 14.9 fantasy points for the running back the first three weeks for the Chiefs. I'm still concerned, though, about him not seeing a bigger workload. 12 total touches each of the last two games. He had 10 touches in week one. Eight targets week one and three for Juju. Decent sign there. Uh, okay score this past week for uh, Juju Smith-Schuster with 13.9 fantasy points. I think we're still waiting for that big game uh, for, for him from uh, you know that connection at Patrick Mahomes. For the Chargers, Joshua Palmer continues to ball when his role extends. Four catches for 30 yards and a touchdown in week two with no Keenan Allen. He went six catches for 99 in week three. 15.9 fantasy points, 17 targets the last two games. I think he's going to earn himself a consistent role potentially here, even when Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both are back on the field together, just because every time he gets an opportunity, he capitalizes. Uh, explosive week two for Mike Williams and a down week three. This is the Mike Williams roller coaster ride you just have to roll with. Looking at the Rams, Cam Akers out-touched Daryl Henderson 12-4. He was saved by a touchdown to hit that 10 fantasy point mark. 15.3 for Allen Robinson in Week 2, back under 5 fantasy points in Week 3. This is concerning that we're seeing him have like a pretty decent game after a really bad day and then go back to having another bad fantasy day. Mac Hollins had an extended role with Hunter Renfro out with a concussion for the Raiders. He tied for the team lead in targets with 10. He caught eight of them and scored a touchdown, 29.96 fantasy points. Would have been a DFS darling for the weekend. I'm not sure this will become a thing, though, with the options that they have, especially when you have Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro all in the mix. So being the you know fourth option, unless somebody is out of the mix, Matt Collins probably more of a, a guy you don't have to run and in, in spend fab waiver wire money on. Finally, a good day for Chase Edmonds from a fantasy perspective. He had 15.7 fantasy points, only seven total touches, though. He did score two rushing touchdowns, which is why he had a good fantasy day. I'd really like to see the touches go up. Raheem Mostert had eight carries and played more snaps or had more of the snap percentage in this one. So good sign for Chase Edmonds as far as just fantasy points in general. Still want to see more touches than him and, and seeing Raheem Mostert Getting the work is is not the best. Dalvin Cook suffered a dislocated shoulder. This is an issue he's had in the past. Alexander Madison came in and scored a touchdown. Looking at Madison, the backup for the Vikings in 2020 and 2021, when seeing the majority of the snaps, he has averaged 23.06 fantasy points, a.k.a. he has been excellent when he actually gets that workload. Side note, disappointing Justin Jefferson day, 14.4 fantasy points is his second worst outing of his career. In the absence of Jacoby Myers, we finally got to see a big Devontae Parker day. Five catches for 156 receiving yards on 10 targets, 20.6 fantasy points. He was on my all-sleeper team that I named before the season started, which looked really bad after the first two games. I'm hoping he can establish a key role here. I think he has receiving yards and touchdown upside, whereas Jacoby Myers maybe is the target guy.
big Ramondre Stevenson game for 20.1 fantasy points, 12 carries for 73 yards and a touchdown. He had four catches for 28 receiving yards. He out-touched Damian Harris 16 to 13. Harris will continue to get work, so it's not like he's going to completely take over the job, but good sign if you do have Ramondre Stevenson. Last note for the Patriots, Mac Jones suffered a left high ankle sprain. Brian Hoyer is on the depth chart. He's a veteran after Mac Jones, and they have uh, Bailey Zappi as well. Going over to the Saints, one of my starts of the week was a huge hit for me, Chris Olave. He had his breakout fantasy week. I think, I think uh, the 13 targets from last week and then leading the NFL in air yards was a huge indicator, which I talked about, for him to have a big week three, which is uh, something I talked about on the podcast last week. So you look for these signs uh, for a potential breakout game, and then those signs come together, and it, it came together in week three. So Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry both were banged up, but it's still impressive from the rookie. Nine catches for 147 receiving yards, 23.7 fantasy points. I also came out with a video last week calling Chris Alave for redraft leagues a big trade target. Probably not going to be able to get him for the low. Not that you you know we're going to get him for dirt cheap or anything before, but timing is key when it comes to fantasy. I said last week in a video, go trade for Chris Alave. If you try to trade for him now, his price just went up. Tyler Conklin, New York Jets now. He's a reliable tight end for fantasy right now. Uh, 11.6, 10, and 16.4 fantasy points, 7, 9, and 8 targets the first three games. The number one thing I look for when it comes to a tight end is a consistent role in the offense and then consistent targets. And that is what Tyler Conklin is getting right now. For the Jets, Michael Carter had 11 carries to Brees Hall's, I think, 6 carries. I have to re-look that one up. But uh, in general here, Michael Carter did have more carries than Brees Hall, but uh, Brees Hall is more efficient with what he got, and he had some solid usage in the passing game. Two out of his three games he's played, he's had six catches, which is a good PPR sign. I do think when it comes to Brees Hall, though, that it is just a matter of time before he does take over this backfield because I feel like he's running the ball at a more efficient rate and he's the guy they're giving more of the passing volume to. So, again, uh, looking at his his numbers, eight carries for 39 yards for Brees Hall this past week, six catches for 53. He had a good fantasy day. Good signs. You know, we, we can't always expect the rookies to come in, especially rookie running backs, and just, you know, completely be a workhorse from day one. After a week one scare for Devonta Smith with that goose egg, he responded in week two with 15 fantasy points on seven targets. In week three, he upped that even further with 12 targets, and he added a touchdown. He scored 30 fantasy points, 30.9 to be exact. 19.5 fantasy points in week three for A.J. Brown. Another good day at the office for him. Jalen Hurts continues to stud it out, 333 and 340 passing yards in his last two games. Great for a guy that people kind of ripped for not being the best passer. Now that he has a good core, though, we're starting to see him really progress as a quarterback in the passing department. I still think Jalen Hurts is a QB1 overall candidate if he can catch up to Lamar Jackson's production. 
three straight weeks of 10-plus targets for Deontay Johnson. It makes you guys that thought he got targets just because of Big Ben look silly. Good players get good targets. You know, it's just the math there. Uh, Best fantasy week so far. He hasn't had a huge, huge day. But again, just seeing him be the alpha in terms of target share, it's a good sign for Deontay Johnson. I called a DK Metcalf bounce back game on the podcast this past week. 12 targets, that's a great sign. He only caught five of them, but Geno Smith was pretty inefficient in this game. Uh, DK scored, he had 17.4 fantasy points. More stuff you like to see. With Mike Evans suspended, Chris Godwin and Julio Jones banged up, and Cole Beasley being on his first game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, it was the Russell Gage day. 12 catches for 87, receiving yards on 13 targets and a touchdown, 24.7 fantasy points, solid production for a guy we saw do well in Atlanta when he was given an opportunity because of situational factors, very similar to Tampa Bay. I think he's a good flex value uh, with Chris Godwin out when everyone is back healthy. I'm not sure I'm on the Russell Gage train though. Derrick Henry scored well after being under nine fantasy points the first two weeks. The biggest standout from this performance in week three was not the 20 carries. It wasn't the rushing touchdown. It was the passing game usage, five catches for 58 yards. I was like shook that Derrick Henry was getting work from Ryan Tannehill through the air. Like, who is this guy? Uh, It's the second time in his career he's had five receptions in an NFL game. For the Titans still waiting on a Traylon Burks game, I thought his usage was trending up. I guess not there. Last note here, good days for Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. Jahan Dotson was quiet, but I think, again, uh, what we are continuing to see, though, is the passing volume to all three of those guys. All three of those guys saw eight targets which is a good sign that you can still play all three. I I think even John Dotson having uh, the worst day of them three still can be a flex. So that'll do it for some week three thoughts. Uh, Quick recap, which I'll go over later um, in the week. But, you know, I do the starts of the week episode uh, before the Sunday slate, usually on a Wednesday or Thursday. And last week, uh, I I, I hit, hit very well, hit very well. So, I try to have some non-obvious starts for guys that I feel like can beat their projections and be valuable to your fantasy team. Last week, uh, you know, as far as they outdid their projections from Sleeper, Josh Jacobs, Damian Pierce, Chris Olave, DK Metcalf, Alan Lazard, Juju, Kyle Pitts, and Tyler Higby. And uh, scratch Tyler Higby, uh, but though you know that group of players again: Jacobs, Pierce, Olave, Metcalf, Lazard, Juju, and Pitts were all guys that were on that episode, and they were all guys that beat their projections for the week. So good week as far as the starts and sits. I missed on Cousins and Goff. Uh, Miles Sanders, I missed on him. Higby was about even to what his projection was at. So uh, good week there, but thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you guys are subscribed if you are not already, just so you get that notification when a new episode is out. And uh, I'll have that starts of week four episode later for you guys this week along with other fantasy points content and other stuff on the Twitter page at P2W Fantasy. Always here to help you guys play to win.